Amen, everybody. That's good news, right? That's Jesus. We will be saved to sin no more. No longer burdened by, uh, by these, <laughs> this craziness that we all have just to, to constantly do the things that are contrary to what is right. And, and I get the privilege to uh, announce our speaker tonight. You know, uh, 10 years ago, I got to the privilege to come here to Brooklyn Teen Challenge uh, when Pastor Don and Pastor Jimmy had stepped in to uh, really birth revival here at Brooklyn Teen Challenge and got the opportunity to serve and, and uh, get to know one of our, the, our forefathers of, of Teen Challenge, literally a man who has spoken all over the world, who has impacted lives all over the world in so many different ways and uh, has, has made such a, a profound impact on my life. And uh, he's recently blessed us with a study Bible, uh, the, teen, the Challenge Study Bible, which you can get out in the lobby. You can pick up your copy, and I, and I challenge you to do so because it's going to be uh, an awesome resource for you. But he is uh, a, a father, an author, a pastor, an evangelist, a church planter, ministry planter, traveler, all, all, everything extraordinary. So let's give it up for our very own Pastor Don Wilkerson. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe seated, please. You know, uh, Will. Thank you, Will and Paul. I, I've, I've learned that um, you get certain accolades in your life just because you've lived long. And I've lived some of my peers, but it's always a joy to be here. It's been a while since I've been back, and I, I, I just love the worship here. Uh, I, I, I love to minister here. Don't have a chance to do it much anymore. Um, and uh, I've always said this is my favorite place to minister. And one of the things I miss about being here is not being able to... Uh, work on a day-by-day -day basis with some of the students. That's, that's the thing I miss the most. And I come in and out of here and I, I see you and I uh, get to chat with some of you for a little bit, but don't get to know you. And, and my problem is that when I am here and I start talking to somebody and I ask them what they want to do, my wheels begin to turn because when I was here full-time, there used to be a saying, God loves you, and Don Wilkerson has a plan for your life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's really what this ministry is all, all about, to empower you, to empower you to go forth from here. Um, you can get clean anywhere. There's a lot of places you can get clean. It's one thing to get clean. It's another thing to be pure. And the Bible says, the pure in heart shall see God. And uh, we're here to help you to discover what God wants for you to do in your life. And uh, in, in that respect, one of the things that uh, Christians, young Christians especially, but even older Christians have to deal with is doubts. So tonight I want to talk to you about what to do with your doubts what to do with your doubts. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. 
And um, I, I, I see that some of you, most of you have Bibles. And look around at those who don't have their Bible and say, shame on you. <laughs> you can't go to war without a sword. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 14, what to do with your doubts. And straightway, Jesus constrains his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into, unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. Now the ship, the ship that the disciples were in, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And uh, they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter <laughs> answered him and said, It would be Peter who would do this. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was a, had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to see Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus did three things. Jesus stretched forth his hand. Jesus caught him, and Jesus said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the winds ceased. What to do with your doubts? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these Friday night meetings. Thank you for what you're doing week by week, day by day. Thank you for the testimonies that I heard tonight. And Lord, I thank you for all the testimonies that are in the house here tonight. What your grace has done, what your power has done, what you're doing. Lord, continue to do it. And now bless the word to our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen. I heard somebody say, or I probably uh, read, uh, saw it written, and it just stuck in my mind. And it said this, feed your faith. Feed your faith and your doubts and your fears will starve to death. I am fortunate that no time in my life since I got on my knees as a 10-year-old and accepted Jesus into my life, I've never ever had a doubt about my salvation. I'm very fortunate in that respect. I shall never forget it. it it's as vivid to me as when it happened. I know the town that it happened in. I was uh, 10 years old. I was wearing, for the first time, a suit, a blue suit, and I thought I was something. And while the adults were upstairs, the children were downstairs, I remember the, the, evangelist, was, the evangelist was upstairs. Now, my father was a pastor, and this was not in my father's church. My father had taken uh, uh, me to hear this evangelist who was a friend of his, and while he was upstairs speaking, 
the children came downstairs and his wife was uh, talking to the children. And she did something. Now, I grew up in the church. And I learned one thing about growing up in the church. Never assume your children have accepted Jesus. No one ever asked me. They just assumed. My dad was a preacher. I was in the church. They just assumed. Nobody had ever challenged me. And she did that night. And I got on my knees as a 10-year-old, asked Jesus into my heart. And I've never forgotten it since that day. And, um, uh, and as I said, I've, I've never had doubts about the authority of the Bible, about heaven. But I've known other ministers, even ministers. Of course, I've known many Christians, but I've even known ministers later in life. They struggled with doubts. Now, there's a difference between doubts and unbelief. Unbelief says it never happened. Doubt says, I once believed it happened, but now I have doubts about whether it really happened. It's kind of like a witness for the defense in a court trial who changes the testimony and became a witness for the prosecution. In other words, I once said I was saved, but now I'm not sure. I once testified that I served Jesus and loved Jesus, but now I have doubts if it was ever real. I asked a student in the program one day, I said, are you saved? And he said, no, not today. Doesn't work that way. I remember a father who was struggling with a lot of doubts, a lot of theological questions, questioning God's love for him, and he was pacing the floor one night, back and forth, struggling with these doubts, and he heard his baby, their baby cry in the crib, and so he went in and he picked up the baby, and he was pacing the floor now with the baby, going back and forth. And a voice said to him, drop the baby. And, of course, he didn't listen to that voice, but he heard the voice again. And this time, he identified it as the voice of the Lord. And he said, Lord, of course I'm not going to drop my baby. I love my baby. And God said to him, do you think I'll ever drop you? I love you more than you love your child. The best of us, like disciples, can have doubts. Once Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they declared their faith in Jesus. Have you? And I never assume that just because you're in the, a faith-based, Christ-centered program, I never assume that you've opened your heart to Jesus. Now, there are sincere doubters and insincere doubters. An honest doubt seeks after an honest doubter seeks after the truth. An infidel does not even want to examine the evidence. His attitude is, "Don't confuse me with any facts. My mind's already made up." A sincere doubter is one who doesn't necessarily have unbelief. They just may have not searched to find out who Jesus is. Oswald Chambers wrote, doubt is not always that a man is wrong. It can mean that he's thinking. He's thinking. And sometimes when you're in a Christian program, you can go along with the Christianese language, 
because you want everybody to think that you're a Christian, and yet you struggle down within your doubt. That never bothered me. I'd rather have you to be honest than to be a hypocrite. Somebody said, no one ever told me I could accept Jesus and deal with my doubts afterwards. <laughs> accept Jesus and deal with your doubts afterwards. Why do doubts come? Number one, possibly because of ignorance. There was an older woman who, I remember, came into the program a few years ago. She never even knew that Jesus was a real figure in history, that he actually lived on this earth. She thought it was just a, you know, a story like a Santa Claus, a made-up person like fake news. It's one thing to know about Jesus, such as Jesus being a historical figure or a good teacher, but it's another thing to know that he is the Son of God and the events in the Bible actually happen. And I'm so glad that when I found the Lord, I was able to say from then on, I know that I know that I know that I know. I am, I know in whom I believe it and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed into his hands. That's a scripture verse. One man whose friend once walked with the Lord and he began to have doubts, his church friend said to him one time, he said, I think you're going through a Thomas time. And he was asked, well, what's that? And he reminded this former father of Christ that this disciple Thomas is a disciple. After he had heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, he said, unless I see the print of the nails in his hands and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And eight days later, Jesus accommodated Thomas's request. And Thomas responded, John 20, 25, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. I, I, I received this uh, daily devotional, and, and, and I, I received something interesting today. Um, it, it's about when they do drug testing, for uh, legitimate diseases, they will test a drug on somebody that dealing with certain disease, disease and they'll, they'll, they'll give them their drug, and then they'll take another group of people and they'll give them a placebo. They'll give them a pill that's not really a pill. And do you know what? 35% of the people that get a placebo get well. Now that blew my mind. That's the power of faith. That's the power of faith. And uh, if you're dealing with doubts, then you need to feed your faith. And if you have been ignorant or not paying attention to who Jesus is and why he came, it's about time you found out. Be careful how you doubt. The more we distrust God, the heavier our hearts will become. Because somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, you can determine to be God for yourself. Many 
a Christian who was a firm believer was at one time a doubter. And the whole point is not, not ever doubting or questioning, is that we walk through our doubts. We walk through them to faith in God. Psalm 78, 35, then they remembered the Lord was their rock and the most high their redeemer. And listen, it's a dangerous thing to be in Teen Challenge. It's a dangerous thing to be in Teen Challenge because you hear the word, you hear the truth, and God's going to hold you accountable for that one day. Every man shall give an account of himself before God. And uh, in some of my darkest times, even though I've never had doubts about God's love for me or doubts, uh, I, I, I have doubts about certain things happening in, in, in my life. And I, I always go to the word. I always go to the word to lift me out of that. So what and why are some of the doubts of those who want to be a Christian? Remember when Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt? Peter at the time was a follower of Jesus. Peter had a, re had a reason for his doubts, and I'll address that in a moment. But what are some of the reasons for our doubts? Number one, my sins are too many. How can God forgive me? How can God forgive me? I remember back, it was in the late 80s or early 90s, I forget exactly when. I picked up the uh, New York uh, paper I was pastoring with my brother at Times Square Church at the time, and I read the story. How, how many of you know the name David Berkowitz, son of Sam? I read the story that David Berkowitz had become a born-again Christian. It kind of blew me away, and so I contacted a friend, and I said, would you follow through on this? And sure enough, he was able to make contact with David Berkowitz, and he set it up for me to go. The two of us went up, uh, lower upstate New York, and uh, we had a wonderful time um, uh, with him. And then I also went back an another time, and that friend that uh, opened that door to him uh, is in pretty regular contact with, with David Berkowitz. And uh, when I was there, um, uh, he told his story. Now, when, when he was an addict, well, when I sat down with him, the first thing I noticed was a long scar right here, a long scar, because when he was an addict, uh, somebody put a knife to him and tried to kill him. So they transferred him to downstate uh, place, and he's been there ever, ever, ever since. And when he told his story, somebody had given, put a New Testament with Psalms into his hand. And he was reading, which psalm is it when David talks about his sin? Psalms 50, 51. Psalms 51. I, I knew that. I just wanted to see if you did, Paul. <laughs> you, you passed my test. Uh, and he reads about David, and, and he knew that David uh, uh, was one of God's favorites, and David had a heart for God. And, and, and he said, my goodness, David sinned, and God was able to forgive him. He's able to forgive me. And he got down on his knees, opened his heart to the Lord, and he's been serving the Lord ever since. I helped him even to write a book, uh, uh, some daily writings that he's done. 
there are those who are so deeply troubled by their sin that the devil has deceived them that they're too far gone, which, of course, is a lie of the devil. Whosoever will may come. Jesus didn't die for good people. He came for bad ones. God does not see little sins or big sins. There are no, he doesn't totem pole sins. I remember a fellow who came into Times Square Church and came to the altar one day, and he said, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I can't be saved. And I, I said, listen, if you committed the unpardonable sin, number one, you wouldn't be in the church right now. You'd be as far away from the church as possible. And, and, but, but you see, the devil will do different ways to lie to people that they cannot be saved. The fact that a man or woman has doubts does not mean that they are a bad person. Doubt is not a sin. Unbelief is. <laughs> I love the story about Martin Luther uh, had a dream. And in his dream, the devil came to him at the foot of his bed, and he rolled out a long, long scroll. And Martin Luther said to the devil, what is that? And he said, Martin, it's a list of all your sins. And Martin looked at it and went down, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Devil, you're right. And then he comes down to the bottom, and he starts laughing. And the devil says, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing because I'm thankful for all of my sins that have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a fountain filled with blood, hallelujah, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. Number two, you can have doubts because of strong temptations and evil thoughts. Again, temptation is not a sin. In fact, it can mean the opposite. The devil goes after the newly spiritually born. He hates to lose a convert. A temptation is a test of faith. Not a test to get you to fail, but a test to show you that God's power is at work and can change you. I remember a fellow got up one time. We were in a park somewhere in another city for a Teen Challenge event. And this guy gets up and he said, all my life I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to be a gangbanger. And he said, now I get up in the morning, and I look in the mirror, and I say, I'm a nacho man. And I wonder where he was going with his testimony. And he said, you know, when the devil comes to me now, I just say to him, I'm not your man anymore. I'm not your man anymore. I think... I don't think Christians, no matter how long they have served the Lord, have not had temptations of one kind or another at some time. And the newer you are in serving the Lord, the stronger they are. Corey Ten Boom says, never, never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. The devil is like a bill collector. <laughs> Let me tell you this story. A few years ago, I, 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 um, I got a pain here, uh, and, and I, had, I was rushed to the hospital and end, ended up, uh, what is it when you have a stone? What do you call that? Kidney stone. Kidney stone. Rushed me to the hospital, and ha I had a kidney stone. And when I checked into the hospital, I gave my name, and she said, oh, we, you're already in our computer, and we see that you have 
insurance with Teen Challenge. And I said, no, 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 I don't have Teen Challenge insurance anymore because I'm retired and I'm on Medicare. And I made the mistake, I, I realized afterward that she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. And, and so I forget how many years ago this, this, this is. Ever since then, I have been getting a, a bill collector. They've been trying to collect $2,000 from me for that hospital visit. And I've explained it to them. Uh, I called the hospital. I told them. And what happened was that the hospital dropped the ball. They waited too long. And after so long time, Medicare won't, won't pay the bill anymore. And so the collector, and, and I've gotten, oh, six or eight calls. And now I know their numbers, so I don't even answer them. And, and I, I called Stan Walsh, and I said, what do you do? He said, he said, Don, there's nothing you can do about it. Just let it go. And the devil is like a bill collector. He's trying to collect from you something that you don't owe him. Hmm. A bad bill collector. If, if, you, if you work collecting bills, I didn't say that you were a devil, so... <laughs> Gonna watch that. Number three, taking your eyes off Jesus and onto your troubles, and you will have doubts. That's what Peter did. What happened when Peter said, Lord, if it's you on the water, bid me come, and Jesus said, Come. And then when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. It's the looking around that can do you in. It's the looking around that can do you in. For example, you can look around at others, and if they're doubters, if they're up to no good, you can fall right into them because misery likes company. If you have a weakness, a besetting sin, Someone that is not of God, not of faith, another person just like you will find you. And soon you will be as weak as jello. Beware. <laughs> Beware of a bag of wind. Beware of a bag of wind. And, and he was afraid and began to think. He looked around. The winds, the winds are boisterous. Be, beware of a wind bag. Sometimes the wind can blow your way through somebody else's mouth. <laughs> Be very, very careful. The wind was, was, stay away from the doubters. Stay away from the boisterous winds of unbelief. Boisterous winds come not only from nature, they can come from people. Hang out with those of faith and it'll help you to build your faith. You know, I, 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 I've said it at, at times, you can have faith in one area and not faith in another area. I've never, I've never doubted that God has faith to change anybody. My goodness, I've got 60 years of experience of seeing God change people. Uh, and, and so I have strong faith in that area. Uh, when it comes to, to, to healing, uh, I'm, I'm not a strong, I had to depend on my wife. My wife has better faith than I do. When it comes for um, faith about finances, um, I, I, I'm below there. But I have a friend who has great faith. 
I love hanging around him. His name is Jesse Owens. Some of you, some of you know Je Jesse Owens. He's a man of great faith, and, and, and God has supplied uh, his, his needs. I think of Bernie Jalot. Bernie Jalot says, pray big or stay home. And he flies all over the world. And Jimmy and I talk to each other once in a while and say, where does he get the money to fly all over the world? Faith. He's got faith for finances. My brother was great when it came to finances. Hang out with people of faith. If you've got doubts, find somebody that's strong. And let them speak into your life. My third and last point is, how can doubts be overcome? Look for the outstretched hand. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. Here's why you need Teen Challenge. Because every day a staff member is reaching out a hand to you. That's what we do here. That's what we are here. There's a song. The line says, oh, to be his hand extended. And that's what you have here. You've got, you've got hands, people reaching out to you all the time to help you in your need. Don't turn, don't turn them away. They'll help you, keep you from falling. You're going to face many contrary winds. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, there will be hands that reach out to help you. Proverbs 73 says, you hold me by my right hand. You hold me. I don't hold him. He holds me. He holds me. Jesus is always a pursuer. He's got your cover. And so you've got to hand it to him. <laughs> you've got to hand it to him. Give him your hand. Reach out. And secondly, he caught him. Jesus caught Peter because he wanted to be saved. As Peter began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand to lift him. You don't need to let your doubts sink you. Deal with your doubts before you fall, not after, because it's much harder then. Psalms 18:16 says, he drew me out of many waters. He drew me out of many waters. Remember, Peter had seen the Lord manifest himself in many, many different ways. In other words, Peter's doubts came after his conversion. And the final point is three points in one verse. It says he stretched out his hand. He caught him, that's the second point, and then he said to him, why do you doubt? He said to him, this was a personal word spoken personally to a doubter. Jesus met his doubts with a word, a question, why do you doubt? And let me tell you something. If you fall in love with the word, whenever, whenever in my darkest moments I've turned to the word and the word has spoken to me. And if you will develop a habit in your downtime, in your non-scheduled time, 
of going into the word and ask God to speak to you through the word. Those of us who have served the Lord for many years knows what it's like to have to to read a very, very familiar scripture and almost can pass over it. And sometimes a very, very particular scripture that you've known all your time will leap out of the pages of the Bible and grab you. And I've had it in my life where sometimes it's like the news banner down in Times Square Church. I'll see it like it'll go across my head, across my mind, across my forehead, some verse of scripture and so forth that'll meet my need at a particular moment when I need it. And the Lord will do that for you as well. But you have to seek for it. You have to search for it. Two things, two things that will make a big difference in, in, in your time here is when you do two things that are not on the schedule. Go to the Word and go to prayer. Go to the Word and go to the prayer. When you do that, God will give you a personal word. And you know what? When you get that word, you own it. And it owns you. Because you know that that was the Holy Spirit that gave you the right word at the right time for the right situation in your life. And I like it when, when you say the, the verse I stand on. And eventually you'll have a lot of verses that you stand on. And they may change from time to time, depending on the situation that you're in. But now you're a teen challenge, and so you need a, a word to stand on while you're here. And when you go from here, there'll be other times that you'll have a word to stand on. Um, I, I, um, I remember D.L. Moody was a great evangelist before Billy Graham back in... Uh, when, when was Billy Graham? Back in, I mean, when, when was E.L. Moody? Back in the 1800s, right? Um, or early 1900s. He was evangelist, had crowds. And every once in a while, somebody would come up and, and, and ask, slip a note to him with a question. And one time, he, he got, a, he got uh, a note that says, there is no God. And he looked at it, and he said, Usually when somebody passes me a note, they put their name down. This person didn't put a name down, but I know, who, I know you. I know your name. You're here. Your name is Fool. Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I was sharing with a, with a young convert, I think here at Teen Challenge one day. And uh, he said, Brother Don, he said, I have flashes of doubt. And I explained to him that that's very normal. That's very normal. You'll have, you can, you'll have, sometimes you'll have, you know, so, so, sometimes you, 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 you have more than a flash. You, <laughs> you, uh, you have a lightning storm of a, uh, of a doubt. But sometimes you have flashes of doubt in your mind. And I said, look, the flashes will, will diminish as you feed your faith. And... Uh, no, this was, this was not somebody at Times Square Church. This was at, at Teen Challenge. This was somebody at Times Square Church. And I said to him, I, I said, you have flashes of doubt. I said, think about the man who has flashes of faith, who all of his life he's built his life on doubts. 
He says, I don't believe. And all of a sudden, he has a flash of faith. Maybe it's real. Maybe there is a heaven. Maybe there is a hell. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Jesus is right. And he smiled real big, and he said, I can't wait to get to college uh, tomorrow because I want to give my professor a flash of faith. I want to give him something from the word. I remember talking about a word from the Lord. <laughs> this is interesting, and you'll appreciate this, and then I'm finished. Uh, I got a note from Anthony. It said that uh, the speaker has to finish at 9 o'clock. Can you imagine that? Anthony had the nerve to tell me that I have to finish at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and I'm going to. I'm going to do it, I think. Um, you know, in, in the early days, we were, we were just working with the gangs, and the gangs became drug addicts. And when we went to the streets to, to, to talk to drug addicts, we, had, we, we would have two or three problems with people on the streets. Number one, the police uh, <laughs> would ask us why we're in such, such and such a neighborhood. And, and um, it used to be when we had the equivalent of Rock the Block, I would always assign somebody to say, watch for the policeman and, and head, head him off before he gets to me, gets to us, and tell him who we are and what we're doing and why we're here. And, and they never shut us down. Uh, but also, I, I would meet social workers, and they would say, what are you doing? And... In, in the day, back in that day, the saying was, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. They still say that today? I don't know. Uh, and and uh, one of them said to me, he said, Reverend, forget him. Once, you know, once they have a monkey on their back, forget it. That's the other expression they had, a monkey on the back. And he said, forget it. Work with the young kids before they get on, on drugs. He said, it's impossible to cure them. And I heard that over and over again. And then one day, in my little apartment in Staten Island, I got on my knees before God, and I opened the Bible, and my eyes fell on a verse of Scripture that we built our ministry on for 60 years. 2 Corinthians 5.17. When I saw that, I said, there it is. There it is. If any drug addict, if any man, anybody be in Christ Jesus, they can become a new creation. Hallelujah. So if I had had any doubts about whether a drug addict could be cured, that cured me. The word the word is powerful, and the word will speak to you if you go to the word. Stand with me if you will. Praise God. Praise God. Will, lead us in something. Praise God.